Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 193 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Now, you likely notice from the title of this episode that it is a little different from the average episode and that I have a daughter on. And I'll go into that a little bit more, but I just want you to know that Olivia is a delightful young teenager who has gone through a lot in her grief journey after losing her mom. After Olivia's mother died of cancer, she was looking for resources, for help, maybe help from other teens who'd gone through what she was going through, losing her parent. But she really couldn't find anything, and she felt really lost and alone and isolated. She felt like she really struggled to try to figure out how to do this grief thing all on her own. So that's why... Several months ago, she really decided that she wanted to try to help other teens. She had found personally that writing poetry was really helpful to her. It was a great release for her grief. And so she expanded that writing and ended up writing a small book to help other teens. What we don't mention in this episode is that the proceeds from this book are going to benefit her local hospice. I look forward to reading it myself at some point in time. But know that she is a delightful young lady who has a lot to say. And I know you will really enjoy what she has to say and take it to heart. Because if you know a teen who is grieving, this really might give you an edge as to how to help them. I do need to take a few minutes here to do some other housekeeping issues. The first one is a big one. So I realized... two days after my last release, that the whole podcast episode did not go out. Now, if you're watching the video on Facebook, you saw the whole thing. If you were watching the live stream, you saw the whole thing. But for some crazy reason, the last 14 minutes did not go to the podcast. And I didn't know this until late Friday night. So I apologize for that. If you listened to this Thursday or Friday, you did not hear the whole thing. And what makes me really upset is that the last point that Gwen made was about finding purpose in your grief and purpose to help you become resilient. And I just think that's a great point. And it was probably my favorite part of the whole episode. So if you didn't listen to the end, please go back, try to download it again. You can always go through my website and click on it and then get to that end part. So if you start listening at the 48 minute mark, then you would hear the last 14 minutes of the episode. The next things I want to talk about are upcoming special episodes that we have. The first one is the next live stream that I will be doing with Gwen and guest Jamie. And this will talk about unhealthy coping strategies versus healthy coping strategies. So what I want you to do for this one is if you did something that was not very healthy, or if you are currently doing something that is not very healthy as far as a coping strategy, go ahead and write in. 
we are going to anonymously talk about these. So we won't give any names and there won't be any judgment, but we can talk about some of these unhealthy strategies and try to find ways that we can maybe turn them into something healthier. So that's the first one. That live stream will be at 7.30 Eastern time on Monday, June 19th. So again, Monday, June 19th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, healthy versus unhealthy coping strategies. The next one is if you've been listening to the numbers, we are getting very close to episode 200. And I really want to do something special for that. And I talked to Gwen about it after our last live stream. And we think we really should make a big deal about this and talk a lot about just what different episodes have meant to me kind of over time. So I want people to write in about episodes and people that they heard from that may have changed their entire outlook and really made an impact on them and their personal grief journey. So if you had some episode that just meant a lot to you, please write me about that because I really want to point out some of these highlights that we've gone through over the past almost four years now. I'm really looking forward to it and I think it'll be a fun kind of way to revisit the last four years and how far we've come and what all we've talked about and what all we've learned. So thank you for that. Again, if you feel like you would like to share your story on the Always Andy's Mom podcast, please email me, email marcy at andysmom.com. I know I got Olivia because her dad just emailed me out of the blue. So know that I love hearing from people. And even if you think your story might not be quite right, really might be, really might be just the perfect one to tell some week. So feel free to email me, email me with different ideas, different questions, things that you might want to learn more about, other people you might want to hear from. But right now, just sit back and enjoy listening to Olivia, Patricia's daughter. Thank you so much, Olivia, for coming on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. So we talked a little bit before we started recording that you are a very unusual guest. So you normally <laughs> I talk with bereaved parents. Sometimes I talk with people who have lost their siblings, their brother or sister, but never really have I talked to someone who is a bereaved daughter, because that's what you are, your bereaved daughter. But what really intrigued me about your story is your dad wrote to me, actually, because you are a bereaved teen. And I can't even tell you how many times I get questions from listeners writing in, asking me, how do I help my teenager? Because, you know, it's very hard to know what to do, especially when you're grieving yourself. So I thought, gosh, I think Olivia will be perfect to talk to. So even though it's a little out of the normal for us, I'm really looking forward to this. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it too. Yeah. So why don't you start off by just telling us about your personal grief journey and a little bit about your mom. My mom first got diagnosed with breast cancer when I was, I think, in grade three or four, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And I didn't know much about what cancer was um, because she yeah. wanted to very much like keep us kind of away from that so that we wouldn't right. get scared from, you know, like when you don't know about something, it's 
always more scary than it is, right? Because you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a mom and mom wants moms wants to take care of their kids and protect yeah. their kids. And she wanted you to live a really normal, normal life and not mm-hmm. be spending time worrying about you. And so I'm sure that's what her kind of goal was, right? Yeah. So like she kept a lot of that from us, but I would hear her like crying downstairs, like talking to my dad a lot. And I was like super confused because I was, you know, like really young. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, what's happening? Like, is she okay? But I didn't want to like confront her about it because I, I was just young, you know? Yeah. There are other kids in your house? Uh, my brother, he's 13 yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. So he's younger than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then one time, one of my friends and I were over hanging out at my house and a few people dropped off some flowers and a card. Yeah. And it read F cancer. And I like opened the door and took it in because no one was home. So I was like, oh, I don't know what this means. And then my friend kind of explained to me like what that was. And then it kind of like set in. I was like, oh, it, what is that? Right. How? Like I was super confused because it was coming from her, not from my mom. So I was like, what's going on? Right. Um, but I just kind of like kept it to myself because I didn't want to like face that that was the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And then she got one of her breasts amputated mm-hmm. and then she was on like a tamoxifen drug for a few years after that to try and like yeah. keep it so it wouldn't come back. And that went really well. That's funny because my mom was on the same drug, actually. Oh, really? Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then a few years after that, the cancer had came back into her ribs and spinal cord. But at first, like she was having major back pain. And uh-huh. we were thinking maybe it's just from overuse because she was like doing all, all, all these things, just trying to be like herself and hang out with us all the time like especially in in COVID where it's like she took time off of work so it was really nice to like spend more time with her. Mm -hmm. So how many years was she kind of in remission then that she didn't have her cancer? Do you know? Yeah she was not in remission I guess. So she wasn't in remission but she was doing okay for a while or at least according you thought she was doing yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it came back well, so, wait, so at first she was having a bunch of back pain. And then so she decided to go to the doctor, uh-huh. ask them about it, because clearly nothing was helping. Not hot baths weren't helping. Massages were not helping. So she went to the doctor and they are requested for a MRI. And during that weekend, we went to the, a hotel just here just to have some time together just so we weren't like worrying too much about it. Mm-hmm. But it was like very hard because my mom was like, you know, Googling the whole time about, you know, like stage four breast cancer when it spreads and all these things. She was getting very worried because that was like the worst case scenario that it would have spread there. And then so she was like spreading that like fear onto us. Yeah. So then we were all like scared. And then it was like this whole like thing because just the unknown is very scary. Yeah. That's where the most fear comes from is like not knowing. Yeah. I would say it's very f- funny listening to that, your story, because it's so similar to my own mom. So, really? you know, my, my own mom got her cancer and then 
she went on to Moxifen and she was doing quite well. I mean, probably better than your mom was. And then it was Mm -hmm. very, very similar to what she started having this chest pain. And she went to the doctor and they thought she had pneumonia because she was having this chest pain. And it was right before it was like two days before my I graduated from high school that she went to the doctor and they did an x-ray and they found out that it was cancer in her ribs, just the exact same kind of thing as your mom. And so then it was the day after I graduated from high school that we found out that yeah, this is bad. This is everywhere. Yeah. And bad. So anyway, it's bringing back a lot for me because that's very, very similar. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So she got her MRI. Yeah, she got her MRI. Mm-hmm. And then so she came home and I could tell like she was trying to put on a brave face, but yeah. I just like sensed that something was wrong. And that's that. that's when we got the results that there was cancer in those spots. And at that point, we didn't know, like, what would happen for the future. It was very, like, unknown because it was very aggressive. But then it did progress very quickly. So just, like, a few months later in November, she got a head CT scan because the cancer had spread to her brain fluid. Mm -hmm. And that's when the doctor told us that she'd only have, like, a few months left. And I remember her just coming down the stairs after her phone call and just like I came home from school and I was just like waiting to know like the results I was just like hoping that it had not spread to her brain because I knew that would be like the worst case scenario and I still didn't know what that would mean but she like came down the stairs and she like made eye contact with me and then she just started like bawling and I was like yeah oh no Uh oh this is really bad and then so she sat on the couch with me and Lucas, my brother, and she told us what the doctor had said, that the cancer had spread to her brain and that she'd only have a few months left. But it was very, like, unknown because we just wanted to be hopeful. Like, you know, there's all these new, like, medications coming out all the time, and so we wanted to just be hopeful. But it's different because even in that moment, it was more, like, very shocking and super scary. But you don't really know the impact that it has until it happens like you can anticipate it and expect it but it's until it actually happens then you really realize because throughout those last few months from the November to January 21st is when she died she went to the hospital on December 20 Mm -hmm. but in that time it's like you can I just knew that she was there. So if I got like scared or worried or like overthinking, I could, I knew I could just like run to her and go give her a hug. But she's still like around. Yeah. Yep. I totally, I, you're bringing me back. You're bringing me back (laughs) there, honey. Cause yeah. yeah. And my mom died right after Christmas too and was in the hospital Mm -hmm. over Christmas, just like yours was. But I do remember still her, her still rubbing my head and trying to comfort me. Right? Yeah. Because that's what moms yeah. do. Yeah. That's what moms do. Yeah. So she died now, you said January 21st. When was this now? Is it last year? 2022. 2022. So last year, just yeah. last year in January. Yeah, just last year. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk now a little bit about your grief journey and what that was like for you and what that's been like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at first... So my birthday was December 29. 
And that's, we, my 15th birthday was in the hospital with my mom and some family. And it really like sunk into me. Like I was thinking, is this going to be my last birthday my whole entire life without her? And I was just like, I didn't want to think like that, but it was just like a big, like, I don't know. It just felt heavy, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I couldn't even imagine that. I only ever like saw it in movies, like kids who lost their mothers in like movies. I didn't think it was like a reality or could happen to me. Right. Yeah. It's always a Disney princess or something, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So like the first few weeks, I was very like, well, I don't know. The the first few months, I just kind of wanted to be on my own, kind of just like doing my own thing in my room. I didn't want to like talk to anyone. I didn't want to like hug anyone because my mom and I, we had like such a super close bond. Like we'd always hug each other and be affectionate. And I wasn't really used to doing that with any other of my family members as much. So like, I didn't feel comfortable to do that because, because it was like almost as if they were trying to replace her. And like, I didn't feel like that's what I wanted. Um, So I kind of like retracted a bit from that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And like in the in the first bit, it was very foggy. Like I just remember yeah. feeling like the whole world was constantly moving around me, but I was like stuck in this like in my own bubble of grief. Yeah, right. Because everybody else keeps on going. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. All their lives keep on going and don't change very much, and you feel like yours is you know in some ways feels almost over. Mm-hmm. It's like. Like the, that life that you had is gone and yeah. now you have to suddenly start new. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first two weeks after the school started texting me, like the counselors from the school started texting me. And they're, they're like, Olivia, when are you coming back to school? You better come back fast. Like I'm going to, I have some support for you, I guess. But it's just like, you're asking me when I'm going to come back? Like, yeah. shouldn't I come back when I'm ready to? Yeah. Yeah. It's just... And then the teachers had like a pile of work for me to do. And I was like, do you not know what just happened? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And you're right. I think you mentioned this earlier is that even though you were anticipating this, right? And you knew she was dying. It's totally different when it actually happens though, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Like you think you're getting yourself ready, but it turns out you can't. Exactly. You can't. Yeah. You can't get yourself ready because you just can't wrap your head around the fact that she's just not going to be there. Mm-hmm. The one person that has always been, or one of two, right? Your dad's yeah. always there for you too. But it sounds like you had a really, really close relationship with your mom. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, as much as you like try to say, I'm prepping myself for this, I'm prepping myself for this, you can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, the ways that I kind of deal with those griefy emotions would be I blast karaoke songs a lot like many times I'd be like downstairs with my microphone and just like blasting singing to songs um just because like that was one way that I'd like cope I don't know like why but it was it was good because it's just like a way for me to like (laughs) get it out I guess yeah 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 (laughs) I like it yeah I like it. And and I like that you said that because, I mean, 
I think a lot of parents, like they don't know what to do, right? They don't know what to do when they see their grieving teenager. And if they would see their grieving teenager suddenly do karaoke, they may be like, whoa, she's not dealing with this at all. She's not handling her grief at all. But that's how you were handling it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The day after my mom died, I had ballet class. And my grandma told me that I had to go. Like, she, like, made me go to the ballet class. And I'm, like, like I didn't want to disappoint her because I, I, like, half of me wanted to go because I didn't want to disappoint anyone in my class and her. But then half of me was, like, also, like, super muddled and, like, I didn't want to go. And it was just, like, super confusing. But I did go. But, like, and then my ballet teacher confronted me after. She's, like, Olivia, are you okay? Like, you, you don't need to come today. You can, like, take as many days as you need off. And then I just started, like, bawling in front of her. And she was just, like, asking me all these questions. I'm just like, can I leave now? <laughs> like, right? yeah, I wish I wasn't pushed to go when yeah. I didn't feel like I was ready to. Like, I wish there was more mm-hmm. understanding on that part. Yeah. I think that's what we do sometimes as parents. We're like, we so desperately want our kids to be okay and we know that certain activities or certain things have made them happy in the past and we may push too hard Mm -hmm. to go back to some of those things but really I mean what I hear you saying is just to try to keep your options open right and to keep those lines of communication open so that your you know your child knows like it's okay if you do it's okay if you don't it's I mean, these would, and, and even talking out some of the pros and cons for doing certain things might be nice yeah. to be able to just, sure. like, what, what are some reasons you might want to go? What are some reasons you don't want to go? You know, and then if it doesn't want to go, beats out that, you're like, okay, well, that was the decision today. But that doesn't mean that's the decision next week mm-hmm. or tomorrow or, you know, it's, it, they're just always to be open to change, I yeah. would say. Definitely. Mm-hmm. When did you go back to school or how did that kind of start again? I did go back to school. It was two weeks after. Uh-huh. And I like met with one of the counselors and we like went for a walk. But I just, I didn't feel like I was being fully supported. And I also didn't really know how to be supported. Yes. Because it's all so like fresh and new and raw. Yeah. The first time I went to the counselor's office and sat down with the counselor, she was saying like, Olivia, here's like a magic word that we can use if it gets too much or like too emotional. And I'm just like, isn't that your job? Like, aren't you supposed to deal with emotions? Why why am I here then? (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not one to talk about my feelings or like cry in front of people. I'm very much like internalized everything until I'm like on my own. Yeah. Or like do it in different ways by like writing or singing or dancing or whatever. But I think most of the beginning I was in my grief, I was really angry, but I didn't know how to be angry. Like I didn't know how to feel those things. So I guess my way of like, showing that was singing or like just keeping it to myself which was not very good I wish I didn't like keep it too much to myself because Mm -hmm. there was a time where 
I was experiencing a lot of like stomach pain and like I didn't want to eat anything like the thought of food made me sick and I didn't want to like you know touch any food it just like no and so the pain was like so bad in my stomach that I like woke my dad up in the middle of the night to take me to the hospital and I did like blood tests and urine tests and all these things and they're just like Olivia there's nothing physically wrong with you like do you like what do you think's going on and I said uh well maybe it's like grief I don't know is that a thing and they're like oh yeah that that could be it like and then <laughs> and I'm just like oh that's crazy that I'm sorry I'm just laughing because you know I'm a pediatrician <laughs> that is it yeah that is it and and you I see kids all the time and like I just hate how it's always, I don't know, it just it just drives me crazy because grief does so much to your body, yeah. to our physical bodies, and you can have horrible pains and troubles and it can just manifests itself in so many different ways. And I hate in some ways that people look at it like, well, there's nothing physically wrong with you, so it's all in your head mm-hmm. and you just got to get over it. Yeah. Because that's not helpful. That is not helpful no. information for anybody. Yeah. No. Like the, the only advice of the game are just like, just keep talking to your counselors, you know, just, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, that's really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But if you say, you know, your body is remembering and your body is hanging on to this grief and your body's feeling it. Yeah. I mean, somebody just telling you that makes you go, Okay. I get this a little more. That's more helpful information, I think, than saying, just keep talking to your counselor. I agree, you know, yeah. Once you talk to your counselor enough, it'll just go away. <laughs> no, no, not really. No. Yeah. But understanding it can be a huge relief to mm-hmm. people when you understand that this is my grief. This is my grief manifesting itself in belly pain or in yeah. head pain or in whatever you're having. When you know that it's that and you can label it as that, it does help you. I feel like, like, okay, now I know what it is. I've identified this. And now, you know, I don't know that's just talking to your counselor, but, you know, <laughs> you, at least you have that knowledge. Yeah. I do think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel like, well, I'm just being kind of a wimp or something. Yeah, totally. right. Like, this is normal. This is totally normal for me to be feeling, for other people to be feeling. And just knowing that and having that normalized is huge. Yeah. That's why, like, I wish I was taught what is it like to lose someone. Like, we don't get taught that in school. Like, what is it like after you lose someone? What is grief like? It's super hard to, like, explain, obviously, unless you've actually gone through it. But there's, like it's grief and death is such like a so much stigma around it like we're not supposed to talk about it but that's why it can feel so isolating when we get there especially as young people because like yeah out of all my friends I was like the only one I well I felt like the only one yeah who has lost someone and they'd all like talk about their moms around me and I just kind of sit there and nod because I like can't have anything to say so like right like I just wish there's more support for each other and knowledge even for like you know teachers on how to support grieving kids yeah Yeah. because it's it's a hard topic but it should be talked about so when my son died my daughter was a junior in high school Mm -hmm. and she became friends that year 
with a girl whose mother had died just a few months before mm-hmm. Andy. They were very close in that they could get that. Mm-hmm. They kind of understood that deep, deep grief and what was going on with that where other people just couldn't. And to be able to be there for each other. And then they even started going to a teen support group through Starlight Ministries where I where we go now. But my daughter brought her friend with her who mm-hmm. had lost her mom so that they could experience that and go through that together because it is super isolating, especially as a teen. Yeah. I mean, let's just face reality. Teens are very self-absorbed people. Yeah, it's true. And so they don't do a very good job thinking about their friends who might be in pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you think, yeah, how do you think your friends did in general? Um. Well... <laughs> Um, they kind of stopped like talking to me and like including me in things. And I, I mean, I think they just didn't know how to deal with it. And like, I just kind of like put on a brave face and like, I, I guess I looked as if I was okay. I looked as if I was wanting to pretend everything's normal, but like, I think they were almost like scared. It felt like I was like just some monster that they were like, scared of for some reason yeah. I don't know or like it's catchy yeah like you like, know I don't know <laughs> and like one time in science class I was with one of my friends and I asked them if they wanted to go to the mall this weekend and they were like I'm sorry I'm gonna be hanging out with my mom and we're gonna organize my closet and like for the summer and go like shopping together because I never get to spend time with her but she was like doing it so much like rubbing in my face and I was like yeah do you like yeah thanks for saying that I never get to spend time with my mom thanks yeah like (laughs) yeah it's funny what people say I remember being in college I was in college and my closest friends that I'd been friends with for two years in college I got a letter from one of them saying that she was sorry but she just really couldn't be my friend anymore because I just really wasn't any fun to be around Oh, my. And I mean, that wasn't the whole thing. I'm sure there was a lot more to it, but that was the gist of it, right? I wasn't fun anymore because my mom had just died two months before. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I'm really not that fun right now. I get it. I'm away at college, going back to college all by myself. I don't have anyone to support me. I'm crying sometimes. I'm not fun to be around. But like, that's not what being a friend is. Is, no. I mean, being a yeah. friend isn't just being there for when it's fun. Yeah, exactly. So I knew right away, like, okay, I guess these eight are not my close friends. Like, and yeah. at that point, like, I didn't have, those were like my only two friends. Like, I didn't know anybody else because I was a more shy person. So, like, it felt very, very, I felt very alone because it was just like, those are my two friends and they're like, not wanting to hang out with me anymore. So I like, what do I do then? Like, (laughs) yeah. So what do you do? Well, for a long time, I don't know. I started like trying to control how I looked because I couldn't control like who my friends are and I can control anything else. I wanted to control what I think I could have. And so like I went through this phase where I'd like dye my hair all the time and like change my outfits all the time. And I don't know why everyone thought I was like a little bit crazy for doing that all the time. But I think it was because like 
seeing my mom like with no hair and like her she'd look in the mirror and call herself ugly and seeing her like going through that like calling herself sick just made me want to kind of control how I looked to try and like I guess not be associated like a sick person too I don't know well, and you felt like so much in your life was completely out of your control. Yeah, exactly. They're like, okay, this is one thing I can. Yeah. I can make my hair purple if yeah, I want to. exactly. <laughs> right? I can do that. And so that makes you think those little things that you can have control over, you just want to. Yeah. So I think that's a good take-home point yeah. for our listeners today Ooh. is that if your kids seem like they're doing kind of crazy stuff, like it's wanting normal. to dye their hair or... <laughs> or sing karaoke at the top of their lungs or all those type of things, it's because they need a little bit of control in a world that feels completely out of control. And also, like, we're not taught, like, how to cope with it. So we're just trying to, like, you know, do what we know how to do or, like, know what we think is what we should do because we're not shown any ways on what to do. So we're just like... Mm -hmm. I guess I'll do this just because, but like, it's not like, I didn't know it was like a way of dealing with my grief. I just, I can now realize that's what I did, but not in the moment. In the moment, I'm just like, I'm annoyed, so I'm going to dye my hair or something. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 Did you feel like with your brother and your dad, did you feel this need to like not want to be a burden on them and protect them too? Because I know some kids feel that way, like when their dad's grieving or their brother's grieving or something like, well, I don't want to make things worse or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, usually Lucas and I, we'd talk with our mom every evening and like, and that's our, that was our time to like sort out our problems and figure out yeah. like all anything on our minds. We just talk with her. And so when that got t- taken away from us, we we're kind of like having to deal with things on our own a little bit more because we're not, you know, used to talking with anyone else. And so it was kind of like everyone was just kind of in their own space a lot in the house. And it was like, yeah, right. Everyone's kind of just doing their own thing. And I felt kind of like the house was very empty and like lonely because usually in the evening, that's the time where my mom and I and I would like we'd watch shows and tr- and talk and like do our homework together and stuff like that. So it was very like everyone just kind of in their own corners of the house, not really wanting to like face what's happening, not wanting to like talk about it. I think it's right. mostly we just didn't really know how to interact with each other Yeah. Um, because there's this like, I always think of it like a, an engine and there's like the, the motors like broken or something. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you turn to writing? That was probably five or six months ago, I would say, I think. Okay. Yeah. I got into writing poetry at first. So I wrote like one poem and I I gave it to my mom when she was in the hospital. Yeah. And then that's the one I read at her celebration of life as well. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I don't know what was in me. It was just one, it was one day after I came home from the hospital, spending all day there. And I just like opened my laptop and I started just typing and the whole like poem came out. I was like, oh, I didn't know I had that in me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I realized after that, like 
how much it helped me. Like after I wrote that, I felt so good. Like it's just like all those emotions that I didn't know how to deal with or even like put words to, they just kind of all flowed out. Mm-hmm. So I, that's when I knew that writing is like a good tool for me yeah, and to help me. And a lot of advice I got from my counselors was to try journaling. Yeah, And I did try that, but it did not help me whatsoever. <laughs> I couldn't just like sit and write all my thoughts. So just, it wasn't, I don't know, something about journaling is just so hard. <laughs> so when I went to a counselor after my mom died, I was in college, like I said, and she wanted me to draw. Yeah. She wanted me to draw mm-hmm. pictures. Yeah. I don't draw. Yeah, I hate drawing. It's super <laughs> stressful to me. She was telling me to sit down and draw. Like I just don't like drawing. So mm-hmm. you have to like what you're doing. Yeah. And it has to help you, right? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of counselors they don't know anything about grief. I know. I mean, some are very, very good. I have a very good counselor now, but I think back to that one that I had in college. You know, she's definitely used to dealing with kids that are stressed, I'm sure, and anxious and maybe depressed, being away from home for the first time, all of that kind of stuff, struggling in school maybe. But I don't think that often did she have someone come in from Christmas break uh, and their mom has died, right? I just don't think that was like a common thing for her. So she didn't know what the heck she was doing. Mm -hmm. So telling me to draw was not helpful to me at all and just kind of made me worse. And I, my roommate, my college roommate actually said to me, you're worse every time you see her. Like, you know what? I think I am. I think you're right. And I think I'm probably not to not go back. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yes. so your counselor wanted you to journal and that didn't work. No. So I just instead just wrote poems as a way to like deal, deal with it. So like anytime I'd like feel confused or feel like an emotion that I didn't know what or if I was like missing my mom I just like get my computer out and just start typing and like it, it would it would just all like flow out then my stomach pain started going away and I realized oh like that really helped that was like a big release of like everything I was bottling up it was like it's crazy it's like I actually not in pain anymore in my wow Yeah, because I just needed to unleash it, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Very good. Very good. So you started writing a lot of poetry. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like I don't feel anymore. Like, of course, grief doesn't just like, you know, end. It's always there and it, it comes up. But like, it was a way for me to like, learn how to kind of deal with it when I'm feeling it in a positive way rather than like staying in it, which is hard. Well, I think it gives your grief some purpose. Yeah, totally. It feels different when you are working through your grief and it's got purpose. You know, for me, the podcast gives my grief some purpose. It doesn't mean I don't miss Andy and I'm not super sad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have times when I miss my mom terribly too. But when I have a purpose for the grief, when you can write beautiful poetry in your grief, well, that just feels a little bit better. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So you've gone on, though, to now not just write poetry, right? Right. <laughs> so what did that progress to and how did that look? I started writing quite a lot of my thoughts out um, and my feelings. So I'd like, 
I go back into the memories of what it was like through my mom's cancer journey and what it was like going in the hospital. And I just like write it all out as a way to like release it. And also I, I, I wanted to like remember it Yeah, because there's a lot of like special moments that I shared with her that I was scared to forget. So I wanted to like, yeah. I decided I wanted to write a book to help myself through this. And also honor my mom and also share and remember some of our special moments. And also then I realized, well, maybe there I could help other people too. Because yeah, I looked for something on grief in a teenager's perspective because I just wanted to yeah. find someone else that I could relate to mm-hmm. who was like my age. Yeah. I didn't really find that. So yeah, I thought, well, I guess I'm going to write it then. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because this is how I was with the podcast. I decided, you know what? I'm feeling sad and I'm just alone at home and I wasn't able to go back to work yet. And I thought, I'm going to find a child loss podcast. I'm going to find a podcast for grieving parents. Couldn't find one at mm-hmm. all. So suddenly I decide, well, I guess it's my job to make one. Yeah. So. We're very much the same. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you decided you're going to write a book to help teens that are grieving. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It took quite a while to like organize it all into like a book format because I took like a few months where I like didn't write it. I like totally gave up on like finishing it. I was like, "Uh, this is too hard. I don't think I can write a book. Like, uh." but then... I recently, I joined the, it was after I joined the spoken word poetry club at school and I started writing, I wrote a big piece on grief and it was like a spoken word piece that I performed at my school and at a local cafe. And that's when I realized how much I could connect with other people and how they could take pieces from my writing and help themselves as well and so that's what like pushed me to finish it and then I did so yeah so what are some kind of keys that you feel like you've shared in the book that were important one of the big ones was that I was taught that there's like five stages of grief and that there's like a specific order to it and I, in my book, describe that it's more of like a roller coaster because there's ups and downs and it's like super messy and it's different for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't know that in the first few weeks of my grief and the first few months yeah. even. I was just like, why do I feel like this? It's not supposed to be like this. I'm so confused. Like, what's wrong with me? Right. You feel like you're supposed to sequentially go yeah. through those stages. Totally. And then once you're done with guilt or anger or whatever you're like done with it yeah not realizing that oh my gosh it comes back like 15 more times yeah totally and it can come back every day for a little bit too exactly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so I just realized that that was not true and so I wanted to yeah that's one of the keys from my book Mm -hmm. I also put in a little like journal section with like guided questions and one of them's where does where do you feel grief in your body and where does it stay? Yeah. Cuz it's such like just like little reflective questions that like help you to kind of see or feel like where your grief is or like 
just to know that just to take some time because sometimes like in our in our lives we're like super busy and like trying to like focus on other things but then we're still left with that like loss and that like mm-hmm. feeling that something's missing so sometimes taking that time to like reflect a little bit is super important so I wanted to like show others that that there's a way to do that you know I love that question the way you asked that okay. too about where do you feel it in your body yeah because it it makes people know that it's normal to feel it in your body yeah. somewhere yeah totally. right because you had no idea you could feel it in your body I know and you weren't really around people that were very good at saying you could yeah. that that even was a normal thing mm-hmm. but for you to word it as instead of saying do you feel it in your body you said where do you feel it in your body yeah so the assumption is you're going to feel it in your body somewhere where is it mm-hmm. i just like that so much better because it it not only gives permission that you can feel it in your body it's that it's kind of that it's expected yeah and now it makes people think where am i feeling the grief in my yeah. body right? For me, holy cow, it's my neck, my neck, my neck. I'm yeah. up like this. Yeah. But to know where you feel it. Yeah, I love that. I just love it. And it can totally change. Like one day you might feel in your stomach or one or another time yeah. you might feel in your neck or whatever. Like it, it can totally bounce back and forth all around. Right. Like, yeah. Right. So even a better question is, where do you feel your grief today? Yeah, exactly. Because it might not be the yeah. same tomorrow. And you might answer that prompt seven different ways yeah. every day of the week. Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you gave the prompts too, because I know you didn't like the generic, yeah. you should journal. Yeah. <laughs> and that can be really, really hard to do, yeah. to just tell someone to journal. I got a lot of journals. People gave me a lot of journals, most of which are empty. Mm-hmm. But when you get a journal that has a prompt, it can kind of help you a little bit. And you can look through them. And then even if you don't write it down at that moment, yeah. it might it just make you think a little bit. Totally. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just make you be a little more introspective and looking inward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So where can people get your book? Right now, it's available on Amazon. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Very good. Yes. (laughs) So you got to tell people the title and things like that so they can find it. It's called Healing Our Wounded Hearts, A Real Life Story About Loss in the Voice of a Teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that you put that right in the title because... It is a unique perspective, for sure. It's a hard place to be. Mm -hmm. It's a hard place to be when you're a teenager and your mom even has cancer, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not an easy place to be either. And then to have to go through grief and loss is really, really hard. Yeah. So I know you've got your dad there with you too. How's your dad been able to help you? What are some things like as I'm, I'm talking, we're talking to some parents. So what are some things parents can do or? Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me was last year on Halloween, I was feeling like I didn't want to go trick or treating with my friends. And I was like very in a muddly place because like half of me wanted to go out, but half of me didn't. And because usually Halloween was a time where I go trick or treating with my brother and my mom and that's what we would do. And so I called my dad and I was like, I'm, I'm not feeling like I really want to go. And he was like, that's totally fine. Let's go. 
um, do something totally different. Let's go drive and go to a restaurant, pick up food, and let's go sit in the park and just like have fun and like talk. And so me and my brother got to each bring like one friend and we just did that instead of going out and doing the regular trick-or-treating. And that was like, yeah, it was really nice to know that like you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Like it's okay to like do something different and having that like support is like really nice. Yeah. And having your dad give you that permission to not do the regular normal thing is really key. Yeah, definitely. Good, good. Well, great. Thank you so much for sharing with Mm -hmm. us today, Olivia. I really loved being able to see you and talk to you and hear your perspective on things. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.